Good morning. Well, we just worshiped by singing, which is a good thing. This is my very white voice. I thought I'd throw that, roll that out at you. Um, sounds deep and sultry kind of, doesn't it? Uh, I always wish it would stay because I think it's more engaging than my howdy-doody voice that normally comes out of me. But um, So this is a little blessing from God to you at my expense, okay? Uh, though, um, we just sang together. And, and, and we worship. We, with the words hopefully express the thoughts and meditations uh, and the affections of your heart. And God loves to hear that, even if you're tone deaf like, like myself. But we also worship God when we give back to him. And that's important too as well. Now, if you're visiting with us, please, this is not for you at all. This is for those who call this place home and those who are followers of Christ. We, we give back to him to show that we understand that everything we have comes from him. And we, and we also recognize that ministry requires resources and God has, has entrusted us so that even in the process of giving, we're, we're growing as we do that. So let me pray and ask for God's blessing over our offering. Father, thank you so much for all that you've given us. May we give back to you in a way, Lord God, that reflects our understanding of how much you have done for us and what Jesus gave of himself so that we could be born again, so that we could have purpose and meaning in life, so that we could be with you eternally. And we pray that you would use this offering to bring the hope, the truth, the life and love of Jesus to people that need it. In Christ's name we pray, amen. amen. Now you can do that in the boxes in the back. You can do that electronically. You can do that uh, through snail mail, whatever, whatever you want to do and however you want to do that. But um, before I jump into our, our study, a um, few things I want to let you know is we have, this is our first month of going to three services. And uh, we're trying to figure all that out. We've been trying to do something um, unique each, each Sunday. Well, this Sunday, we've got a little high point swag out there. I've got, this is, the, the, I've already got on my water bottle, but these are some little stickers you can put on your water bottle, you can put on your computer, whatever you might be. But on your way out, there's a table uh, right by the, the doors as you walk in. Grab one of these, stick it on your water bottle, whatever it might be, just a little bit of, uh, uh, might start a conversation. Uh, it might remind you that, that you are a part of this church family, which you might need every now and then, okay? So just want to note the water bottle stickers on your way out. Secondly is I like to have a little fun, and that is, um, and you've got to play along with me on this, and only one person is going to win, but um, who, who has the birthday that's closest to this? Does anybody have the birthday today? Raise your hand. Is anybody's birthday? Sarah. Anybody else? I'll look at your license if I have to, okay? Sarah. Well, Sarah, last week we gave away uh, gift cards, and there was one underneath the seats that no one found, and they must have known that today was going to be your birthday, so happy birthday. Can we all say happy birthday to Sarah? Happy birthday, Sarah. That's just in case Tori didn't get you something. <clears throat> I, got, I got you back, Tori. All right? Okay. Pray with me if you would. God, we thank you for the word that you've given us. It is our compass that when everything's turned upside down, when we're in the cloud banks of life and we don't know which way to go, Lord God, your word tells us it is steadfast and strong. And I pray that you would speak through me as I have nothing to say, but you have everything to say. And I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us for your glory and the good of your people. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Well, why don't we get our Bibles open to our table of contents, and you've got an Old Testament table of contents, you have a New Testament table of contents, and we're in our New Testament, we've been studying the, the book of First and Second Thessalonians, and so that's about a third of the way down in your New Testament table of contents, so why don't you turn to Thessalonians, we're going to be looking at chapter, finish chapter 2, 
and roll in and complete, believe it or not, chapter number three. So also, if you get your Bible notes out from the uh, YouVersion Bible app, uh, you don't have to take any notes. You can just sit there and you'll have them right there. You can take notes if you'd like, but that's always a really handy tool right there. Uh, This morning is unique. Uh, As I was studying, I looked at it and and a a number of times I asked myself, why is this here? It's not as robust. It doesn't seem as, as stout as if we were looking at the Sermon on the Mount where where Jesus is just one line after another, just boom, do this, boom, do this, don't do this. This this isn't the case. And, and And what I have to understand is that God preserved this portion, this passage for a reason. And I began to ask him, why God? Why? And I'll, I'll share with you in just a moment why, but I want to I kind of back into that in this way. And I want to I tell you that growing up for me, all the way actually as I started in my college years, I didn't know what my purpose in life was. I really wasn't sure. And so what I did is I just kind of followed the crowd that I was hanging around with. And that was to get my degree to make a lot of money, to start a family, and then to spend all that money having fun and then eventually retire, travel, and play golf. That was kind of, if you'd asked me back then, that, that kind of was my modus operandi. And I did. I, I felt a little rudderless in some, in some ways. And then in college, I became a follower of Jesus. I had some guys that really cared about me. And as I was chasing the girls down and, and, and at the bar more than I was in the classroom... And realizing I was not satisfying or, or in any way, uh, I was still very thirsty for what life had to offer. And they, they, they shared with me that Jesus loved me. And I didn't initially receive that well, didn't really care. But as I watched them, it made a difference. And I turned my life over to Jesus. And one of the things that came with that, many wonderful blessings, one of the things that came with that was I, I found my purpose in life. And I, and I felt like this fits. This is what I've been looking for. And I found it in Jesus. And it makes sense that I would find my purpose in life from the one who gave me life. He knows why I was born. He knows why I was born again. And I fell into that purpose. And my purpose, believe it or not, turns out to be a universal purpose of all followers of Jesus. And my purpose, I found out, was to make disciples of Christ. And I could contextualize that wherever I was. I was a financial consultant. I was a CPA. And so as I worked in downtown Houston, as I went from client to client, I had opportunities to make disciples of Jesus and to multiply them. And it gave me the greatest rush. It it was everything I wanted, realizing that it would never end until Jesus called me home. And for that, I am deeply thankful. And to make a disciple of Jesus, it's, it's in our aim statement. Activate, impact, multiply disciples is the, aim in our, is the M in our aim statement. And it's, it's really, honestly, it's to seek the highest good of someone. Because the highest good, as I found out personally, and those of you who are followers, you have found out the highest good you can have in life is to be right with God, is to be right with your creator. And I found that, and it, it was like a glove that fit Perfectly. Now, I will tell you, as you probably have found out, that to make disciples of Jesus is both immensely rewarding, but it's incredibly challenging. So it's both, and I hope you'll see that as we go through this in a moment, back to why God put this passage in Scripture. Because Paul is arguably one of the greatest disciple makers of all time. 
And what we get in this little snapshot of Paul as he's writing this letter to people just like you and me in Thessalonica, which is a, a port town like Seattle is, um, in which he started a church from young followers who were both Jewish and Gentile. Uh, and, and they were young in their faith. And he had to, he had to leave. He, he, he was being persecuted. And so he, he kind of was chased off. And you'll see he expresses the, 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 how difficult that was for him to this church that he had just started. And he's, he's writing a letter back to them that from, from what Timothy's told him. And I think what you're going to see in, in Paul are the two very important tools necessary to make disciples. And then this goes for you parents if you're raising your children. This goes for the kids' own workers, the high, uh, the, uh, high school student uh, volunteers and leaders. It goes for the staff. It goes for me. If we really are going to make disciples, if we're going to do it right, then we've got to follow Paul. And we really have no choice because Paul said, imitate me. In many places he said, imitate me. We saw earlier in the letter where he was commending the Thessalonians in verse 6 because he says of chapter 1, he says, you've been imitators of us and of the Lord. And he commended them for that. And so when we see Paul's way, we see what Paul has done, we can't say, well, that was Paul. He had some super gear that he could kick it into because he was an apostle. He didn't. He had the same spirit that you have and I have. I'll tell you what he did, though, is he, he leveraged it like we don't or like many of us don't. He leveraged it like I don't. And we're going to see in him, and I want you to listen as I read, listen for the two uh, aspects of, of disciple making that is crucial and that Paul did so well. So that's kind of what I want you to listen for. The, the, the idea is I want us to listen for what, what Paul is doing because we've been commanded to imitate him uh, and, and we, we really can't get around that. So I'm going to start with chapter 2 verse 17. If you'll just listen for the two. One's easier to hear than the other. But what I want you to think of it as, a, let's use this metaphor as, as a scalpel. Because to grow people spiritually, for me to grow spiritually, for me to disciple and make uh, followers of Jesus of other people, it requires some cutting. In some cases, some pruning so that more growth can come. In other cases, it's cutting out things that are keeping somebody from really following Jesus with the devotion that he desires. So listen for these two things and think of them as a two-edged scalpel because we're going to talk about one edge and then we're going to talk about the second edge. But... Let me begin. This is, this is a, a simple letter. Paul says in verse 17 of chapter 2, he says, but as for us, brothers, after we were forced to leave you for a short time, in person, not in heart, we greatly desired and made every effort to return and see you face to face. So we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For who is our hope or joy or crown of boasting in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. What I want you to know is he's, he's referencing this difficult leave. Uh, that, 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 and, he, and he's writing back from what he's heard. And what I want you to know is he says, he talks about a crown of boasting. He says, you are our glory. And we might look at that and think, well, how, how arrogant is that? He doesn't mean it that way. There's many other places where Paul says clearly, because if you're going to boast, he says, boast in Jesus. So he's not using it that this way. What he's doing is a way I think we can all understand, and that is, is that he wants to be found by the one who's given him the purpose that he's been given. He wants to please him. And he's making a reference not just even to today, but he says at Jesus' coming, he's talking about the second coming. He's talking about the perseverance and the endurance of the people of God that he started this church and who he labors for. And, and, and he wants them to be there at the end. He says, I want you to be our glory. 
Not in the sense that he, he gets the glory, but in the sense that he's done a good job in, in, in loving them and caring for them and discipling them so that they persevere to the end. And why does he want to do it? Because he wants to honor the one who's changed his life and has given him the purpose that he's given him. So you just kind of see this kind of oozing out of his heart. Then in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Therefore, when we could no longer stand it, we thought it was better to be left alone in Athens. Paul realizes as he was chased off, he, he ends up in Athens. And he's willing to stay there alone because what you're going to see is he sends Timothy back because he just can't stand it. He, can't under, he just can't be away from the Thessalonians and, and how are things going. He says, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you concerning your faith so that no one will be shaken by these persecutions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed for this or to this. In fact, when we were with you, we told you previously that we were going to suffer persecution as you know what happened. For this reason, when I could no longer stand it, I also sent him to find out about your faith, fearing that the tempter had tempted you and that our labor <clears throat> might be for nothing. Do you hear the affection coming out of Paul and his concern for them? And, and this is, by way, just this is parenthetical. This is the third chapter of this letter. It is the third time that he's referenced suffering and affliction. He, he doesn't want that to be lost on them, that this is natural, it's normal, that when you follow Jesus, this is what happens. This is just how it goes down. Um, I, I'm going to date myself here a little bit, but uh, some of you will remember about 30 years ago, believe it or not, when the National Livestock and Meat Board, how would you like to be on that team? Do you remember the, the ad campaign they had when they said, beef, it's what's for dinner, right? And they've got this sizzling steak just sitting there, and they were just, they were advertising because they wanted you to run to the store and buy steak, right? And I mean, they were compelling in their promotion, the sizzle. You could almost taste it. Well, Paul, in a way, is saying, not beef, it's what's for dinner. He's saying affliction. It's what comes with following Jesus. And we need to, we need to accept that as he reminds them of it. Verse 6, but now Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news about your faith and love and reported that you always have good memories of us. Wanting to see us, also we want to see you. Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you through your faith. For now we live, if you stand firm in the Lord. <clears throat> How can we thank God for you in return for all the joy we experience before our God because of you as we pray very earnestly night and day to see you face to face and to complete what is lacking in your faith? And then Paul closes with a prayer in this way. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with love for one another and for everyone just also do for you. May he make your hearts blameless in holiness. I'm sending Timothy to encourage you. I cannot wait for us to be together face to face. And then he says in verse 10, as we pray very earnestly night and day to see you face to face and to complete what is lacking in your faith. What? Yes. The second side of this very important scalpel that, that is important in making disciples is truth. Paul was saying, I can't wait to get there. Because when we left, we weren't done. You are not and have not yet been fashioned into the likeness of Jesus. And that is what a disciple is. A disciple is, is when you live life with other people and you're shaped by teaching and correction and challenge and accountability. You're shaped into the character of Christ 
as well as the aspirations of Christ and the ambition of Jesus. And Paul was saying to them, not done yet, and I cannot wait to get there. And Paul made his goal for their relationship very clear. In verse 13 of chapter 3, he says, May he make your hearts blameless in holiness. Paul had a goal for his relationships. Do you have a goal for your relationships? Do I have a goal for mine? Are they to, are they to see people all the way through, all the way to the second coming of Christ? Where they stand before him and they are accounted as blameless and holy. And, and the disciple-making for which we've been given purpose and meaning in life, the, the growth, it, it requires the truth. It just does. Now, as I said, some of us, I think, are more prone to leading with truth. But let me, let me pause for a moment and talk about that. Let's talk about the love that Paul just talks about. If we have love without truth, we really don't have any love at all. What we really have is a self-serving emotional dependence on people's approval. If all we do is come around and we love people, believing that's the highest value that we could possibly um, demonstrate and the highest virtue that we could seek to pass along, but if we do it without truth, what we're doing is we're taking our idol of, self, of people's approval and we're laying it at the altar of the person that we're puffing up with words of love and acts of love ignoring the truth they need to hear. That's not love. And that won't make a disciple of Jesus. So we have to be really careful that we not recognize that we're really not loving someone when we don't share the truth with them. That really what we're doing is we're loving ourselves because we want their approval. Conversely, truth without love results in a judgmental attitude. Let's be honest. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But we all at one time, haven't you wanted to tell somebody the truth, not for them, but for you, just to feel good, just to exact your revenge, just to make yourself feel better? My friends, and I say this for me starting at the very beginning, we never have any room to share truth with anyone if we want to give them a piece of our mind. It is not until we realize that if they don't figure this out, it's going to hurt them further. When we come to them for them and not for us, that's what a disciple maker does. That's what somebody who personally invests in somebody, that's what they do is they come realizing if they don't get this truth, their lives are going to be a mess. You can have the greatest teacher in the world. I used to focus so hard on teaching because I thought what I had to do is I had to keep people's attention. I had to teach in an engaging way. I had to do that. And, and the love part of it, loving people that I was teaching, not as important to me. But then God began to break my heart on that through Paul. And I began to realize, man, the people in my life who changed me, most, believe me, I've heard some amazing messages some incredibly, wonderfully communicated truths of God from a stranger. Were they helpful? Yes. But nothing has changed me like someone who I know really loves me and cares about me and has personally invested in me, and I hear it from them. And I hope and pray that as God has been growing up, me up, and I thank you for your patience. You've seen it in me. You've seen me sometimes go, he needs to work on that. And you're right. But I've learned... I've really learned how much I love you 
And I never thought I would love you the way I do. And that's not, that's not me. It's not me. It's not, I didn't want that. It's God because he loves you. And he wants the person that's teaching you the most often. Not the best, but the most often. He wants you to know that he loves you. And I hope that makes a difference in how you receive truth. But what holds us back from sharing truth is guilt and fear. We're like, who am I to say something? You're a follower of Jesus. You've been commanded. That's who you are. Well, I'm afraid of how they might respond. You're a follower of Jesus. He said you're going to face a world in which you're not going to be liked at times. This is going to be affliction and persecution. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, take up your cross, dude. To be a disciple maker is not easy. But the way Paul did it, the way we can do it, is that he was overwhelmed with the love and the truth of Jesus that he received, the gospel, the good news. And, I, and, I, and I, I've always remembered the gospel this way, and I, I will continue to say it this way, as an honor to a theologian and a pastor who was one of my heroes of the faith, Timothy Keller, who passed away last year. And he described the, the gospel this way. He said, the gospel is realizing that you're more, you're more broken than you ever dared believe. You're more sinful, you're more depraved than you ever dared believed. At the same time, simultaneously, you are more accepted and loved in Jesus than you ever dared to hope. And that, that's the tension of the gospel, is we need a savior. You need a savior. Paul needed a savior. And when he was embraced with the love and truth of Christ, it changed him radically and when you stay there when you accept that and sit in that and let that soak in you it comes out of you and it comes out of me and we are Jesus's glory and the people that we disciple will be our glory not for the pat on the back but for when we stand before our creator the one who gave us the purpose in life and he says well done it affirms and we feel good because we did well for the one and we wanted to honor the one who did so well for us and that is what we get from Paul and I believe that is why it is in this letter this is why it's there Paul commands us to imitate him may we imitate him with that scalpel on our hands because every single follower of Jesus is in there you have a scalpel in your hands and you have been given a message that you are delivered with truth and love so let me challenge you this way would you please consider getting connected into a small group? You need face-to-face -face interaction with people. I need face-to-face -face interaction. Today is Connection Sunday, and we, we want you to get not only connected, but to participate in a small group. Please get connected and then participate. Don't just come looking like a zombie. Part of your disciple making is when you're in the group sharing your thoughts and your feelings and your experiences and what you've read and how you understand it and how God has communicated it to you. Come prepared, but get connected. You need a Paul type in your life. I need a Paul type in my life who's going to give you both love and truth. The best way we know to do that here is through our small group ministry. So please get connected. Get that face-to-face -face time. Paul, in chapter 2, verse 18, remember he says, Satan's keeping us apart. And my friends, he wants to keep us apart. He wants to keep you apart from me and me from you and from one another. And he does that through busyness and all kinds of other methods. Push through that. Don't let that happen. And then secondly is to get on a service team. That's how you actually, now, now you're, you're getting, you're serving, you're doing what God wants you to do. And it makes a difference. 
and you feel connected. And then lastly is to get become a part of a church family. The writer of Hebrews says, don't stop meeting together. He says, encourage one another as you gather together and worship. So please make this your highest priority to come worship together with your family. And 101 is the way to, in, to become a, a member of this church family, okay? What I'd like to do is I want to just give us, a, I want to give us a moment to pray. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come down. We've got Christy down here. Mark's going to be down here. I'm going to invite you, just take this before God, okay? If you want to come down and pray with him, if you want to come down here and just pray to God here, right here, you're welcome to do that. But let's kind of finish this time off just between you and God in prayer. Father, bless this time. God, Holy Spirit, please, as you work in our hearts and minds, May we not just leave this place with something in our heads, but God, give us a resolve to do something in our lives. And I pray your blessing over this time of prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.